Welcome to the gathering at Adel. We're so glad that you're here with us as we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent. Our message is over hope, and we'll be looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. If I struggle through the sermon today, don't worry, I'm not sick. I was just trying to hit that last note with Kelly there. I never, never quite made it, though. Thanks for laughing, Josh. My wife is not... I never quite hit that note. Great job, Kelly, for doing that for the rest of us. <laughs> oh, man. I, I know it, it might not come as a surprise to you, but I, I love you guys way more than y'all love me. I, I know that, and it's okay. I've accepted that, but I genuinely love you guys. It's so fun to be able to come here and be with you guys, and, and not just here on Sundays, but during the week to hear from you. And uh, it's, it's really a joy to, to be able to come here and serve and uh, be called your pastor, which feels so weird uh, but, uh, that, that I'm qualified for that, but uh, definitely love you guys. Uh, you might have noticed if, if you've been here for some time, it looks a little different around here today, right? There's, there's a little bit more decor going on and things. And, and honestly, what it is, it's to build up that hope and that expectation in us. That, that we come off of the, the turkey coma, and we're like, oh, man, I don't want to have to talk to one more person. I don't want to have to suffer through that anymore. But what it is is there's an excitement. This season welcomes in. Like, man, not, not, like we're not getting ready to celebrate Christmas so that we can open up presents, so that we can get more things that we don't really need, and we have to think about, oh, man, what should I get him? He doesn't need anything. But... It's to build up this excitement of, man, what is Christmas really about? It, it, it's about celebrating the birth of Jesus. Not only that, but, but anticipating his return. And, and this, ad, this season now, the church has kind of called it Advent. Uh, if you've been to maybe a more uh, orthodox or liturgical Methodist, uh, Advent is a term that you're probably pretty familiar with. You'll see churches will celebrate it in different ways. Some churches will have candles. Have you seen like an Advent wreath and they'll have a candle stand and there's four candles. They light one candle each week. And then when you come into Christmas Eve or the, the fifth Sunday, then they'll light the Jesus candle in the middle. And so there, there's different ways to celebrate that. Uh, but the, the goal of Advent is to begin to build up in us the hope and the expectation of his arrival. Advent, uh, Advent just means uh, coming or arrival. And so it really started, I think they say the first, roughly somewhere in there, it's hard because nobody was there to really, that, that's here now to confirm this, but you know, we have the internet that's pretty reliable. Uh, but you know, they say the fifth or sixth centuries, somewhere in there, uh, somebody started to celebrate Advent and it started as uh, 12 days. And so just kind of Actually, I think it started even before that, but maybe like the 12th through the 19th of December uh, encouraged people to, to get into church then. Then it kind of evolved from there, and it became, hey, 14 days, and there would be fasting and, and things of that nature. That's not very popular in the American culture right now, So, and we're not doing that either. We can light a candle all day, but fast, uh, we got to talk about that. All right? But it, it kind of evolved from there, and then, then it turned into four Sundays, and that, that's kind of where we are at this point. And uh, it, it turned into where there were two, the first two Sundays would be uh, anticipating his second returning. 
And then the last two Sundays, you would begin to you know, like celebrate his first coming as, you know, in the form of human and baby Jesus. And so it's just kind of evolved over time and kind of settled on this. It's been about this for quite a while now. Uh, and so there's four Sundays in Advent. And the four Sunday, the, there's like themes that you talk about. And it's hope, peace, love, and joy. And so we will be going through those topics, those themes, and but all of it is not to have a topic. The, the goal is for it to point to Jesus Christ. For, for today, like not, not take away like for, for me, but the takeaway is, man, isn't it going to be glorious when he returns? I mean, I, I, I hope I'm here. I, I don't know if I will be. Uh, if you listen to some people, they say it's going to be any minute now. You know, you listen to others, it's like, it's not going to be here for another 14,000 years. What are you all talking about? We don't know. And isn't that the fun part? The, the last day, nobody knows. Even Jesus, they were asking Jesus about it. Do y'all remember Jesus' response? He says, only the Father knows. Not even the Son knows. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father, and he doesn't know the day. That's impressive. But yet we have a lot of people that claim to know the day. What does that tell you? Like, Okay, uh, uh, I'm not going to take that one to be a truth from you. Maybe don't throw everything away from them. But we don't know the day or time. But what we do know is that, man, when we, we start this season, and I love this season, one, because it celebrates Jesus, but two, cold weather, right? You know, like there's just a lot of things that I love about this season. It feels good. But it's a season that's full of hope and expectation, of longing. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate and remember his first coming, but also to anticipate his second. It's a time for us to slow down. And I think that's why the, the fasting was part of it at one point is because in culture, in this season, it can be all about consume and more and more and more. And so they introduced fasting to be able to allow not only our hearts to slow down, but then our bodies to go, hmm, maybe this is a good time to slow down. It, it seems like it happens so quick from Thanksgiving all the way up until Christmas. But I, my goal for you is that that time would slow down for you. That you would take these opportunities, these moments as we talk about these, these topics and go, man, I, I don't want to miss it this year. I, I don't want to wake up on December the 26th and be like, what, what did we do? We, we bought all the things. We did all the things. But where was Jesus in all of that? So I invite you in this, in this season that, that we start today to slow down. To take a step back from our lives and look at the big picture of God's salvation. Jesus took on human nature and he came near to us. Sin and shame had made a barrier that separated us from him. But Jesus came and made a way for all people to be in his presence, conquering death and offering us reconciliation and salvation. And the beauty of it is that we are standing in between the two arrivals. He arrived through the birth, you know, through the, the conception of a virgin. And we're, we're standing in between his second coming. What a glorious time to be alive. That, that we get to be excited about that. I mean, before his birth, they were looking forward to him. 
But now, now we know that, and now we look forward to that second coming, and it's going to be a great, great time. Today, it's hope. And we start with hope. Because where else is there? What else is there in today's world? It's full of darkness, sin, shame, guilt, consumerism. It's full of addiction and brokenness. It's full of death and decay. It's full of all of that stuff. But Jesus is coming. He came and it says, hundreds of years before he even came, it says that hey, a great light is coming to your people. Let me read this to you. It's out of Isaiah chapter 9. You don't have to turn there. I didn't put it up on the screen. I thought I could remember it greatly and I, I failed. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in a land of darkness. Jesus said in John eight twelve. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows after me will never walk in darkness. We, we live in a world that's full of hurt and pain. But Jesus is the light and the darkness. He's our only hope. He's our living hope. I, I, I don't know if you've been following, but there's a semi-local of a lady that uh, baby was born and uh, just, just passed away. I believe it was this morning. Uh, the baby's name was Crew and kind of started to build... Uh, local and some momentum here. And I mean, just you look and you're like, man, how, how, Lord? How, how can there be hope in this situation? And the only way is through Him. He's the only one. I, I think so many times that, that we confuse optimism and hope. Uh, optimism looks at our circumstances and is like, Okay, man, maybe this will work out for us. This, this is best case scenario. But hope looks past our circumstances and focuses on the person of Jesus Christ. Optimism says my, my cup is half full. Hope says my cup overflows. Hope, optimism says, hey, uh, uh, let me, maybe this will work out for me. Maybe God will. But hope says, even if, even if he doesn't, I'm still okay. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Thrown in the furnace. And they said, even if my God doesn't save me, I won't turn my back on him. And I think we have to get to that point because we confuse optimism with hope. And we're like, oh man, if everything works out. I've got this planned out. This just works out. Then, man, God is really blessing me. I feel he's near to me. It feels good. Things are working out. But, but hope looks past those circumstances and says, even if he doesn't. But the truth is, he is faithful. Why do we have hope? Because he's faithful to us. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 35. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
It had, been re- it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, verse 29, he said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What a glorious passage to talk about hope in. You have, you have this man, Simeon. There's, there's not much mention of him. Simeon, he was religious and he was devout. The Holy Spirit was on him. And I love this. Here, here's the promise. It says that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. What, what a promise from the Lord. The Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit speaks to him. You will not see death until you see the Lord's Messiah. Can you imagine that? There had to have been years, obviously. I mean, from the time that it was spoken to him. We don't know when it was spoken to him. But the years in between that, waiting. I mean, to get to that point where the prophecy where the word has come true where the hope has been revealed where it's like hey I'm going to speak this over you and don't worry you will not see death until you see this promise and then to be able to hold the promise in your hands for that hope to be realized for the promise to be revealed there's hope today because his word never returns void if he says it it's true. It, his word does not return void. It said, the word here says that it sets out, that it accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish. When he speaks it, it is true. He is faithful. He will not say something to you and then it not happen. Somebody needs to hear that because somebody's holding on to something. You've been holding on to it for a long time and you're about to give up on it. But his word does not return void. He is faithful to do what he says he will do. And for Simeon to to be able to hold him, it says that he took him up and he says, now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. I, I love where he got the word. He clung to the word. And when the word was realized, he said, okay, now I can go. I think so many times we have hope and we're like, Lord, let just... Right here. And then you get right there and you're like, okay, and now here. And then this. And then this. Simeon got his word. It was fulfilled. And he said, now you can take your servant in peace. We, we have hope in him because he is faithful. Simeon was full of hope that he would see the Messiah before he passed away. There, there's two words for hope in Hebrew. Two main words. One means to wait, and the other one 
comes from the root word cord, and it means like a stretched cord or like a rope that is, is taut. It means to wait. Hope means to wait. That, that is a word that in this culture, maybe probably not y'all, but maybe it's just in this culture here, that we don't like. Hate to wait. We, we don't want to sit in traffic. We, we, we're, it seems like wait is boredom to us. Like we're just sitting here waiting. We're sitting in traffic. We're waiting for the wreck to clear. We're sitting at home waiting for the movie to load. We're sitting at home, you know, like waiting for the kids to move out. We're waiting, you know, kids are waiting for school to be over for the day, for the week, for the holidays till they can move out. They're waiting to move out. They're in, excited about that. But it's like this, this hope means to wait. We don't like to wait. You know, I, in our household, there's a lot of kids, and sometimes the bathrooms are occupied, and it's not fun to have to wait for the bathroom, and it doesn't always happen in a fun attitude and manner. You know, at first, you kind of do that little, like, little knock, you know, where it's like, it's like, uh, yeah? And, you know, and then they're like, oh, okay, okay, you're in there. You know, and then a couple minutes later, it's like, Hey, Dad, yes, hey, just stop, man, leave me alone. And then it's like full-on banging, right? We don't like to wait. We're in a culture that is like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Like it's the famous quote, like, hurry up and wait, right? As soon as we get there, then what are we going to do? We're going to wait. We've got to hurry up and get to the restaurant. Why? So we can wait. And we hurry up and get to the restaurant so that we can sit down and be seated. And what are we going to do? We're going to wait. And we hurry up and wait. And then we order our food. And so what? So that we can wait for the food. Then we eat our food. And then what do you have to do? you got to wait for the check. It's just like this impossible waiting game. It always seems like it's never. Like that's all I do. I spend half my, my life waiting. I can, they're, they're quick. Me and my wife, we went to New York and... The checks arrive pretty quick in Texas. Like, I mean, they like, hurry up, feed, get you. In New York, it's, I mean, like, we were sitting there like, do we, did they comp the meal? Like, I mean, no one's been by, we've eaten. The process in Texas is then you bring us a check, right? Like, because we don't want to wait. We're fast. We, we got things to do. But in New York, you're sitting there and you're like, maybe this meal was free. I mean, they, they didn't say anything, but they, it's been 20 minutes and no one's brought a check. How do they expect people to pay if they don't? And I can just remember like, and what, what did we have to do that day? Nothing. We just went walking. Like, we were like, hurry up. Actually, my wife was not. I was like, hurry up. Where's the check? You know, and then you ask for the check and they're like, oh yeah, you want the check? Sure. You know, like, it's just this weird, we do not like to wait. We, we think there's something negative about waiting, but that word means to hope. Hope means to wait, but there, then there's the other side of it, which is a stretched cord. It, it, it's, it's like the guitar string that, that it's stretched and it's tight. And, and there's that anticipation of, man, it's about to, it's about to do something whenever I, I strum it. That, that hope and that anticipation that builds. It, you know, sometimes if you're a good dad, then you'll start pulling on a, on like something stretchy with your kids with the intention of letting go before they let go, you know? And, and there's a certain age where it's pretty easy to get that. Ben's almost past that stage. You know, I can still get him. But, but it's that, that stretched string, and you're like, oh, man, if I let go first, it's going to pop his hand. And it's that, that hope and that anticipation that's building in that moment. 
I want you to think of that word hope as not necessarily just to wait, but it's to wait with the anticipation of something good's coming. It, it's the same picture of a, a groom that is awaiting his bride to walk down the aisle. I can assure you at that moment when the groom, he's normally on this side, when the groom is here and his bride is walking down and he's waiting for her, he's not bored. He's not going, man, will she hurry up and get here? I mean, if he is, if he is, then we, we, we'll need to talk to this guy, right? But he, he's not very smart, first of all, if he's said that to you. But, but imagine the hope is, is, is like, you're standing at the altar and your bride is walking down. You're waiting, but you're not bored. Like, like we're anticipating Jesus' return, but we're not bored. We're not sitting here going, man, we're just going to, I guess we're not going to do anything today. We'll see if he shows up today. I mean, well, I can't go to work. I got to call in today because I'm just waiting on him. Like, we, we picture wait, hope as, and waiting as bored. But it's this, this anticipation of what's about to happen. I, I can remember, uh, you know, we found out that we were pregnant with twins. And you, you have to wait a certain amount of time until it, that promise is realized, you know. Uh, you, you're not just sitting there waiting, doing nothing. Wait, you know, with the twin, you know, baby is coming and you're not just like, well, I don't know, we're just waiting on the baby to come. No, like there's preparations that begin, begin to happen for us that includes adding on to the house, right? Like making, making room for these two things that are about to invade our house for the next so many years, right? Like there's anticipation. There, there's there's a, a phase that mainly women will go through where, where they start nesting, right? And they it's like they're not just sitting around like, man, I just cannot wait for these twins to get here. I'll just sit here and not do anything and just wait. Man, there, there is a, a, an intensity that is very not, not seen often, right? And there's an intensity in nesting and getting things ready. Like there's preparations to be made, things to be done. And that's our goal. Like when we hope and we're talking about it, that's what we're to do. We don't just sit here and go, well, man, the Lord's, Lord's got to come back. I mean, they just elected another Democrat. And we just have to sit here and just wait because that's our only thing. Like, we, we put all of our hope in him, and we take all the responsibility off of us. T turn with me to, to 2 Peter. It, it might be hard to find for you. It's kind of back towards the back. It's a little bitty book. 2 Peter, we're going to be in chapter 3. It's... If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's right after 1 Peter. That's how I find it easily. <laughs> there is no 3 Peter, so whatever. Go back once you get there. 2 Peter <laughs> chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verse 11. It says, since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be and holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of the Lord and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth 
where righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight at peace. Also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as your dear brother, our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom he has given you. It says to, to wait on him. And, and as you wait, be the sort of people of holy conduct, of godliness, as you wait for the day of the Lord. It says to make every effort to be found without spot or blemish and to be at peace. Like as we await his salvation, as we, as we hope in him, we don't just sit here and twiddle our thumbs. We don't just sit here and go, well, he's coming back any moment. And now, obviously, look at what's going around in the world around us. No, but it says that as we wait for the day of the Lord, that we live our lives in such a way of holy conduct, of godliness, without spot or blemish. Like, I, I find, like, in our, in our waiting, we can become bored. When we become bored, then we get into trouble. Uh, one, of, one of my kids... Uh, that was one of their, their struggles in school was it, it wasn't the schoolwork. It, it was the boredom. It, it, you know, we, we figured this out from like a pre-K level that as soon as he or she was done, if, if he or she did not have one more thing to do right after that, he or she was going to rip up that paper and do whatever else he could or she could. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, because he or she was bored. Be, because what happens is when we become bored, we become lazy. When we become lazy, we, we, we forget about the holy conduct, about the godliness, of the righteousness to be found without spot or blemish. It says that he's coming back for a pure, spotless bride. Like, like we're sitting here like, Lord, when are you going to return? Like, we're griping, grumbling, complaining, living our own lives, full of the sin, full of the world. And we're like, man, when, he's got to come back pretty quick. Like, look at this. And it says that he's going to return for a pure and spotless bride. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Do those things, and as you wait for the day of God, and hasten its coming. Have you, have you thought about that? We can hasten the day of the Lord by our speech, by our conduct, by our godliness, by our righteousness, by our choices. That's why no one knows the day or the hour. Because it's dependent on us. You want to see the Lord come back? Begin to do these things. You'll hasten the, the day of the Lord real fast because he's going to return for a pure and spotless bride. He's not going to return for one that's been lazy and slothful and sitting around just going, man, when are you going to come back? He's calling us to reflect the character of him, right, in godliness as you wait for him without spot or without blemish. While we wait, we are to be productive, not bored. Next one, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus is going to be a little more difficult to find. Flip back to your left before 1 Peter, 2 Peter, James, Hebrews. We're going backwards right there. Titus chapter 2. This is so good. Verse 11, 12, and 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. 
instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. While we wait, we are to live in a godly way, righteously and sensibly. Like our hope, while we wait, our hope is in Him. But while we hope and while we wait, we are to live in such a way that is sensible, that is righteous, and that is godly. So today we're, we're looking at three things. What does it look like to hope? That's the first one. What does it look like to hope? It looks like to live a sensible life, to live a righteous life, to live in a godly way, to to be without spot or blemish. We think we have that negative connotation of hope and waiting. But, but remember Noah and his family, they were on the boat after it had rained. They were on the boat. And they, they had to have hope that these waters are going to recede. Anybody know how long it took the, the waters to recede? Anybody got this? Who said 150? Oh, Marianne, of course you did. We're going to have to exclude you from this trivia, right? That's, that's unfair. Let me give you like a five-second delay on your buzzer. Uh, 150 days. 150 days they were filled with hope, excitement, and they were waiting for the waters to recede. Maybe your promise is longer than 150 days, but he is faithful. I, I mean, you, you can look at Abraham. He was promised a child, an heir. Not only a child and an heir, but, but that they will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And, you know, he had to wait a little longer than 150 days. He was an old man. But, but did that stop him? Did, did his hope waver? Did his faith waver? No, God is faithful. Jacob had to wait seven years to marry a daughter. And in the seven years, he wasn't just sitting around. He was working. He got to the end of the seven years. Father-in-law got him. He got, he got the, I'm not going to say this. The Bible says it. He got the one that's not as attractive. So then he had to work another seven years. And then he got the attractive one. I didn't say it. The word says it. Right? So, so he had to wait. Like, like we think that this waiting is unique to us. And that there's, man, the Lord's just, oh, you're, you're not unique. The, the, this woman was bleeding for 12 years. Spent all of her money, all of her time, all of the doctors. No one could heal her. And she touched Jesus and she was cleansed immediately. Waiting is not a bad thing. It's while we wait, who do we put our hope in? To not grow lazy and to not go and seek it ourselves. His word is true. His word is faithful. He, we put our hope in him. Don't waver from that. What is the reason for our hope? That's number two. The reason for our hope. If you want to turn to Hebrews with me. In between Titus and that second Peter there. Hebrews chapter 10.
while you're holding there. Hebrews 10, just hold there. But I love what Simeon said right here. Back back to Luke chapter 2, you don't have to turn, but I I just wanted to say it because I thought it was important. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Do you know how that statement would have come across? That Jesus, the Messiah, was going to die for the Gentiles? That, that would have been like, whoa, wait a minute. You got a little too excited there, buddy. <laughs> it's his people. I mean, that, that's hope right there because it was for us. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 23. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus... He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke... Oh, that's verse 24. Okay, provoke love and good works, right? But... If I could sum it up, it's like, why can we hope? What is the reason for our hope? Is that you are fully known by him and you are welcomed in his presence. He he knows the number of hairs on your head. And it might be easier for some of y'all than than some of us. right? But, But he knows the number of hairs on your head. Not only does he know the number, but he numbered them. He knows all things. Uh, the, the things that you think nobody else knows, the, the secret things that only you know, he knows it all. And yet you're welcomed into his presence. Why, what's a reason for hope? Is that right there? That you and me, full of all of us and all the things, are seen by God, we're known by God, and we're welcomed by God into his presence. That, that where nothing is allowed in his presence, that, that, that is full of sin. But yet he welcomes you and me because of the blood of Jesus. We're welcomed into his presence. He knows every thought that you've had, every word you've said, every thing you've thought about everybody. He knows it. When, when you did whole 30 and you cheated, but no one knows, he knows. When you said you were done smoking and you still have one every once in a while, he knows and he's not ashamed of you. But yet he welcomes you into his presence. Why do we have hope? Because we have a God who is a loving father that's full of kindness. We have Jesus that made a way for us and he knows everything about you. And he welcomes you into his presence. And he's faithful. He sees all of you. And he says, man, that's the one that I want right there. I'll do whatever it takes to get that one. He's faithful. He, his word cannot return void. E- even when we don't fully understand it, he is still faithful. I was talking with a, a lady from, from the Brock campus. Her nephew uh, was 17 years old. He, he overdosed. Uh, I think it's been two weeks now, two and a half weeks and uh, just talking with her, and he, she said, you know, we, we always thought it was going to be my brother. Her brother is 
living on the, living on the streets in, in Albuquerque. Wasted his entire life because of drugs and addiction and brokenness. And it's caused separation. And, uh, and she said, I always thought I, I was going to get this call about him. I never thought it was going to be about my nephew. Nephew was 17 years old, didn't really, it wasn't really like a drug addiction. It was just something that he got him and he overdosed. And you know, in those moments, you're like, man, how, how do you, what do you say in those moments, you know? And I'm like, I don't know, Lord, give me something because I need to know. Like, I've got to comfort her. I've got to bring hope into her. And the Lord, Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, you might not fully understand it, and it might hurt, but just, just what if in his goodness he spared this young man a lifelong of addiction, of brokenness, of hurt, of pain, of rejection, uh, of being in jail. And I know you can be like, Jeff, but 17, like he's just a kid. And I'm like, man, I know I don't fully understand it, but, but what if? What if in this moment that spared him of a life that wasn't living at all? I don't know if that's theologically correct, but I know that 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 gave hope in that moment. It gives me hope that he is faithful. I don't know what all y'all are going to face today, tomorrow, this week, next year. But I'm going to tell you that he's faithful. He will see you through it to the end. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not turn his back on you. He, he is not moved. He, he is the rock that is immovable, that even the gates of hell will not prevail against. Like, that, that's him. He's the cornerstone that was rejected. So I, I encourage today, why, why do we have hope? Because he's faithful. The last one is, First one is, what, what does it look like to hope? What is our reason for hope? And the last one is, what is the object of our hope? Jesus. There's no one else. There's nothing else. Like, you, you, can't, you can't put your hope in the lottery. I mean, I know it was 1.5 billion or something. That was glorious, you know. But, but you can't put your hope in that. You, you can't put your hope in in the stock market, in politics, in Donald Trump. You can't, you can't put your hope in, in, in your husband acting right. You can't put your hope in, in the, that your car is going to start. Like, you can't put your hope in your employer. Like, there, there's no one else to put your hope in. I, there, there's so much hurt, loss, and pain, and brokenness in this world. And, and I'm like, man, I, how does the world get through it without Jesus? And then you look at marriage as being broken up, when you look at addiction, brokenness, you, you're like, oh, that, that's how they cope with it. Our, our hope is in Jesus. He, even, even if all that other stuff is falling around us, he, even, if, even if he doesn't heal me, even if he doesn't provide for me, even if this doesn't happen the way that I think it should, even if it doesn't, he is still faithful. He is still good. He is still Jesus. Like, it's not like all of a sudden Jesus has changed. They... They put their hope in him. For 400 years, the Lord did not speak. God did not speak to his people between the Old Testament and the New Testament. For 400 years, he did not speak a word. And then it says that 
the word became flesh. He didn't have to speak because he sent his son. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. I I mean, I, I know you might be going through a dark time, a rough time, but 400 years to not hear a word. Not a peep out of him. And then he sends his son. He's everything that's advertised. I mean, I can't stand up here and talk him up enough. I, I, I could tell you all the things, the prophecies that have been fulfilled by him. He's the light of the world. It says that, that from the beginning, you know, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he is it. He's everything. And one day we're going to see that in reality when we stand before him face to face. And at that moment, it's going to be too late. But we put our hope in Jesus Christ because there's no one else that's worthy of it. There's no one else that's going to have your back at all times. People are going to turn their backs on you. They're going to betray you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to fail you. Your bank account will fail you. But he will never fail you because he is good. Put your hope in him. He is the object of our faith. He is the object of our hope. It's only him. And his name is Jesus. We have to continually to remind ourselves of what we are hoping for, who our hope is in, and that he is faithful. The Jesus, or the disciples were arrested for preaching the gospel. They were beaten. They were thrown in jail. They were made fun of. They were told to be silent. And yet they skipped away filled with joy. Because their hope was in Jesus Christ. Your joy is directly tied to where your hope is in. Your joy is directly tied to where your hope is in. If you're, if you're upset right now, you're not happy, you got your hope in the wrong thing. If when your husband doesn't take care of you, when your wife doesn't take care of you, when your kids aren't obeying you, and you get grumpy and fussy and upset, Your joy is directly tied to where your hope is in. The disciples were beaten, mocked, made fun of, and yet they left. They they skipped out of the Sanhedrin, filled with joy, and they continued to preach. Because their joy and their hope were in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you with that today. Put your hope in him. He is worthy of it. Even when you're like, man, this, this one's a big one. He's big enough for it. Don't put your hope in anything else because anything else will let you down. This season, this time is a, is a time when you see the, you see the greenery, you see the, the lights, you see the Christmas trees, you see all these things that are going on around us. It's to build up this joy, this excitement, this anticipation that we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus because the birth of Jesus is what changed it all. And man, what a glorious day to be able to worship with him today. So I encourage you today, as as you leave here, you go to lunch, you go home, begin to ask the Lord, Father, where, where is my hope? Is there an area in your life where your hope is not in him? Is there an area where you're like, man, I've given him all of it except for this. I really like to control this. I think I can do better than him. Even though we don't say that, that's what we're saying. Have you lost hope? Don't give up. If you've been praying for something for 20, 30, 40 years, don't stop praying. Keep praying. Keep waiting. Because it says in our waiting is where we are to, to do those things, to, to live a godly life, to be without spot, without blemish, to, to watch, to wait, to look for. 
that Psalm 130 that we did before the, the worship set today. Was, it says that, that as we look out on it, we're more anxious even more than the watchmen of the night. They, they were watching, they were waiting. And I encourage you, if, if you're still praying for someone or something, don't give up. He is faithful. I love you guys. I'm going to pray and dismiss us. Father, we, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for this season of, of hope and expectation and longing for you. Father, may, may we be a people that are more excited about you than any holiday. May we find our hope not in the presence under the tree, but in the person, Jesus Christ. Father, may you build up excitement in us where we've been hopeless, where we've been disappointed. Father, let hope begin to rise in us again. Where we looked at our circumstances, let us look to you. Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.